Welcome to this podcast of the Episcopal Church of the Good Shepherd in Venice, Florida. It is the 15th Sunday after Pentecost, and you will hear Father Joe Hudson speak on Luke 16. As you listen, see if you can answer these questions. The questions? Why is Jesus' story of the landowner so strange? 2. What is the definition of parable and how can we learn the meanings of parables? And 3. Is it good enough to be a law-abiding Christian? Good morning. It's good to be back again. It's good to see some of the others who have returned as well. Well, today Jesus told a story to the Jews. He said, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. The manager in the story was being careless in his oversight of the rich man's property. Other translations say this manager was wasting the rich man's possessions. Others, that the manager was cheating the rich man. Whichever way you cut it, this manager was doing a very lousy job. As the story progresses, it becomes more and more challenging to understand this passage. As my wife was reading the Bible passage in the lectionary this morning, she had just finished reading through the gospel, and she blurted out, Oh my gosh, that's a tough passage to get through. (laughs) So, how do we get through this? How do we make sense of it all? You know, there's... The passage starts out okay and pretty understandable and ends fairly clearly, but there's a piece in the middle there that just gets all muddled and confusing and hard to understand. As uh, Father Bob was reading it, you're probably scratching your head and thinking, huh? Well, Jesus tells this story about a landowner and his property manager. The manager was doing a poor job. Maybe he was even acting a bit shifty and underhanded and dishonest. Well, I'm sure this caught the people's attention that day as Jesus was speaking. They weren't used to their religious teachers telling stories in quite this way. The manager was about to be fired and was not only going to lose his income, but also his home under the landowner's roof. So he started to panic. What was he going to do? Where was he going to live? We're told the manager's response. He said this. He thought this. I've decided what to do so that when I'm dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. The manager started thinking creatively and on the fly, figuring out his options. He decided in a sly, underhanded way to endear himself to his master's debtors 
so that he could schmooze his way into their good graces and hopefully have some place to stay once he was fired and kicked out. The story tells us that he went to one debtor who owed the landowner 100 measures of olive oil. The manager said to him, go ahead, make the bill 50 measures. To another debtor who owed 100 measures of wheat, the manager said, go ahead, make the bill 80 measures. These debtors would have been very pleased to have their debts reduced. But you see, here's the rub in the story. The manager was swindling the landowner, lessening the amount of each debt that was owed him. Now here's where Jesus' story gets even stranger still. Instead of the story telling us what we might expect it to say, that the landowner took this dishonest, shifty manager out to be beaten within an inch of his life and thrown in jail. Instead, Jesus tells us this. His manager commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Then Jesus gives us the moral of the story. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Huh? A bit strange. It kind of sounds like Jesus is encouraging us to be sneaky and underhanded in our money dealings, doesn't it? Even worse, it sounds like he's telling us to try and bribe our way into heaven, into our eternal homes. But we need to remember that this story is a parable. And a parable is not to be taken simply at face value. A parable is a story that is being used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. Here's where sometimes having a couple different Bible translations on hand can be helpful for us. Because when you read something puzzling in a more literal translation, like the New Revised Standard Version we heard today, you can open another Bible translation like the New Living Translation or the Message Bible to maybe help you understand things that are difficult and seemingly problematic. I suppose the other option is you could say, hey, you know, don't, don't tell me that it's a problem being shifty and underhanded. Just look what the gospel says. Here. Well, here's how the Message Bible translates these problematic verses in Jesus' story. And I begin. Now, here's a surprise. The master praised the crooked manager. And why? Because he knew how to look after himself. Streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They are on constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by their wits. I want you to be smart in the same way, but for what is right using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials so you'll live, really live, and not complacently just get by on good behavior. Okay. 
So I think this translation helps just a little bit. It helps us to understand that Jesus is not talking here about being crooked and bribing our way into heaven. You'll be glad to know that. He is talking about having street smarts, of being creative and using adversity to stimulate us to think in new ways. So what was the point Jesus was trying to get across to his hearers that day? He was looking at the religious system around him, and what he saw were people focusing too much on just obedience to find points in the Jewish law. They were simply trying to get by on good behavior, on being good Jews. But Jesus could see into the future. He knew that times were going to get very hard for his followers. Soon they wouldn't be able to, as the Message Bible says, just get by on good behavior. They wouldn't be able to survive when hard times came by simply trying to rely on being good Jews, following good, proper, and right Jewish religious behavior. They would need to become visionaries. They would need to learn to be creative and more street smart, if you will, to be able to adapt to new and changing circumstances. We see many examples of this in Jesus' own behavior in his ministry. Instead of simply being a decent Jew who followed every letter of the law in order to fulfill all righteousness, he often acted out of a bigger vision. He saw outside the religious box his ancestors had placed upon the people. When he had been told that doing carrying, healing actions on the Sabbath day was breaking the law, he sometimes chose to look beyond the Jewish law to God's greater law of love. Jesus was helping his disciples to understand this, preparing them for the persecution that was still to come. This lesson would help them to survive and for their faith to evolve and adapt under new and sometimes challenging circumstances. You see, you and I don't think really understand what it was like for these deeply indoctrinated religious Jews to follow in the way of Jesus and be able to adjust and shift and evolve and change and say things and do things and act in ways that just didn't seem to quite line up with how they were originally raised and trained and taught. Well, it doesn't suffice to simply become good, obedient, law-abiding Christians either. Thinking, if I'm always doing these certain things and not doing these other things wrong, then, then that's good enough. There is a higher law than this, the law of love. And by this greater law, we learn to evolve and to adapt. We can see this adaptation in Christians and in our fellow Episcopalians throughout the years. Where once good Christians saw other human beings of color as only property to be bought and sold, eventually attitudes and behaviors changed through God's law of love. And we began to elevate and give greater dignity and worth to our black and brown brothers and sisters. 
We continue to adapt and evolve through the law of love as we gave worth and dignity and honor to those among us who had been shamed and marginalized, our gay and transgender and queer brothers and sisters. Our adaptations through the law of love have not come without a price, however. Some among the Christian faith still struggle with allowing the law of love to mold and change them in appropriate and necessary ways. Some, even within our global Anglican communion, have desired to turn their Episcopalian brothers and sisters, us, away because of how we have adapted and evolved and reinterpreted the scriptures. Thankfully, the work of the recent Lambeth Conference has helped to bring greater understanding and more acceptance and love. Still more work to be done, but a lot was accomplished miraculously. Our Christian faith is not simply about strict obedience to a set of religious do's and don'ts. Yes, there are things we need not do, and there are other things that we need to do. Let me make that clear. But our faith is much bigger than that. Our faith is using Jesus' way of love to guide our religious and spiritual thinking and speaking and acting. Unfortunately, when we as Christians do not allow the Spirit of God to mold and shape and adapt and evolve our faith, we can become narrow and rigid and blind, even to the point of storming the pillars of our democracy or rioting on the streets and breaking windows and stealing property or raising up false electors and calling for the hanging of our vice president. And no, this is not a Republican or a Democrat thing. This is a way of love thing. This is an honoring of our Constitution thing. May we allow ourselves to be somewhat like the dishonest manager in Jesus' story, who learned how and when and where to adapt and adjust our understanding and beliefs and actions as Jesus did. Amen. The questions... Why is Jesus' story of the landowner so strange? 2. What is the definition of parable and how can we learn the meanings of parables? And 3. Is it good enough to be a law-abiding Christian?